Then you will truly be successful. Turn the page. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good. Gotta work together. Oh. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good. To those who love God, He has a word on your lips. To those who are called, meditate on it day and night. According to Be His purpose, to do purpose. It's His purpose, Ooh. not mine. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good. Gotta work together. Oh. And we know all. It's day 19 of our 90 day challenge. And today we are in Chronicles, second Chronicles, the 29th chapter, the first through the 15th verse. If you're ready, put in the comments, I'm ready. Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. In the first month of the first year of his reign, he opened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. He brought in the priests and the Levites, assembled them in the square on the east side and said, listen to me, Levites, consecrate yourselves now and consecrate the temple of the Lord, the God of your ancestors. Remove all defilement from the sanctuary. Our parents were unfaithful. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and forsook them. They turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling place and turned their backs on him. They also shut the doors of the portico and put out the lamps. They did not burn incense or present any burnt offerings at the sanctuary to the God of Israel. Therefore, the angle of the Lord has fallen on Judah and Jerusalem. He has made them an object of dread and horror and scorn, as you can see with your own eyes. This is why our fathers have fallen by the sword and why our sons and daughters and our wives are in captivity. Now I intend to make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, so that his fierce anger will turn away from us. My sons, do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him and serve him, to minister before him and to burn incense. Then these Levites set to work from the Kohathites, Mahath, son of Amasai, and Joel, son of Azariah, from the Merorites, Kish, son of Abdi, and Azariah, son of Jelalel, from the Gershonites, Joah, son of Zema, and Eden, son of Joah, from the descendants of Elisaphan, Shimri, and Jael, from the descendants of Asaph, Zechariah, and Mataniah, from the descendants of Heman, Jehiel, and Shemai, from the descendants of Jetuthin, Shemaiah, and Uziel. When they had assembled their fellow Levites and consecrated themselves, they went in to purify the temple of the Lord as the king had ordered, following the word of the Lord. And that ends our reading again. The topic for your consideration is love it or list it. In my short tenure here on earth, I have had many, and I say many, inconveniences. But when I went to India for three weeks, inconvenience became my middle name. 
Thankfully, each inconvenience taught me a new lesson about life. The greatest of them was about my computer charger, or should I say, Anna's charger. Before I left the States, Anna switched out her charger for mine and left me with a defective one, but she didn't tell me. And there was a shortage in the plug, so if I didn't hold down the loose wires for more than 10 seconds, the device would not charge. The problem is I had a memory of my charger, the one that worked without extra effort. So on many occasions, my computer would just die in India, all because I had forgotten about the shortage. Even though some days I left it charging all day, nothing was connecting, so my labor was in vain. At first, it was an inconvenience, but later, it became a sermon. Most of us are living with a shortage of some sort. We have acclimated to the defect, and instead of buying a new charger, we just hold the wires down for more than 10 seconds. Most of us, we walk on eggshells because we have adapted to his anger issues. So we work like a slave in a field to which we are not called all because we are afraid to get fired. We live as if love doesn't matter because there is a shortage in our charger. But today is the day to be free. If you choose to live a broken life that can be fixed, you are choosing to settle for less than God's best. The better thing to do would be to change the cord or repair the old one. But never, and I mean never, adjust your life to dysfunction or defective behavior. But wait, it gets worse. After weeks of adjusting my life to this shortage, one day the charger just stopped working. I'm in India, so you know there are no cords that match my need. And I would hold down this thing for 10 seconds. I would stand it on one leg. I would try different outlets. I did it all until I realized that every defect has an expiration date. Scripture says it like this, old things pass away. In other words, no matter how long you try to extend its life expectancy, eventually it will die. And when it dies, you can choose to bury it or pretend it's still alive. Either way, it is dead. And many of us are wasting precious years trying to adjust our lives in order to accommodate dead things. We are performing CPR into something that has been gone for a long time. What are you doing? The death certificate has already been notarized. Old things have passed away, but you're in denial. It's time to embrace the new, but you are still connected to the shortage of old. Release yourself right now and charge your life with new tools, new friends, and new relationships. You see, Jesus did not die a bloody and gruesome death so that we could live with our defects. No, he died so that we might be saved from every defect. Grace, then, is an extended warranty, a kind of spare tire, if you will, which grants us more time to get the repair done. It grants us more time to get to the repair station. But the same way cars are not designed to be driven on spare tires daily, neither is your life. If there's a shortage in the cord, change it. If there's a shortage in the cord, get it fixed. If there's a shortage in the cord, buy a new one. Don't turn a spare into a spouse. Don't buy a mansion in the wilderness. If you do, you are choosing to live off of fumes. You want God to extend life on something that has already died, but in the end, you are playing Russian roulette with your soul. So I recommend an immediate replacement for some of you. Rid yourself of the defect now or you'll always have to adjust your life around it later. But for others of you, you don't need something new. More accurately, you just need to repair what is old. 
I thought about this revelation after watching one of my favorite HGTV shows, Love It or List It. Now, before I even give this revelation, I know that most of you reading have no clue what Love It or List It is because you only watch the Word Network, TBN, Charles Stanley, Joyce Meyer, or Bishop Noel Jones. And so I get it. But for the rest of us worldly people who are currently climbing up the rough side of the mountain, doing our best to make it in, we are very familiar with Love It or List It. It first aired in September of 2008, and the success of the show is widely attributed to the fact that people all over the world resonate with that tension of repairing what is old or replacing the old with something new. The co-hosts, Hillary, the designer, and David, the real estate agent, spend an entire show trying to convince their client to repair their home with some remarkable upgrades or abandon the home for a new, often bigger home. In the end, they are presented with two beautiful options. One is brand new and the other is the same house, but different interior. One would think that every contestant would choose the new home, but I am always surprised when people decide to keep the house they currently own now that someone else has come in from the outside to shift furniture, add storage, change the lighting, and renew the love they once had for a house they now tolerate. Now, you know there is a sermon all through this. This is the work Jesus did when we confessed him as Lord and Savior. He didn't just leave us for a better home. He didn't evict us from the temple we are in. Instead, he reformed us. He cleansed us from the inside out and transformed us in such a way that we don't even know where the kitchen table used to be because our lives have changed to the point that we never want to go back again. This, my friends, is why God has given you purpose. Your purpose isn't given to you for you to become rich. No, God has planted purpose in you so that you can participate in the beautiful assignment of reforming, reshaping, and repairing others for the glory of God. When I read 2 Corinthians 29, I cannot help but ask you an important question. Do you really need something new? Or do you just need to repair what is old? When Hezekiah first becomes king, he does something powerful. Second Chronicles 29 and 3 says this. In the first month of the first year of his reign, he opened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. He empowered his team. He led them into a consecration because it is impossible to repair physical temples if our spiritual temples are out of order. Then he went to work. I wonder how much time it would save us if we learn to appreciate what God has already given us. I wonder how many people would end this ring around the rosy game with their calling if they just settled into reality of their current predicament and ask God for a fresh revelation. Maybe your book doesn't need to be rewritten altogether. Maybe it just needs to be revised. Maybe your relationship doesn't need to end. Maybe it just needs to be restored. Maybe the current place where you work doesn't need to be replaced with a new job. Maybe God just wants to give you new joy because when we don't get the necessary healing within, no job, no relationship, no gadget, no recognition, and no 90-day challenge will be able to fully satisfy a molded soul. So what is your purpose project today? It is to answer this question. What needs to be repaired that I am trying to, to do anew? What relationships deserve another try, another conversation, another attempt at forgiveness? And who are the people God has sent to me to help repair the thing I want to remove. Maybe you don't need a new thing. Maybe you just need an old thing repaired.
dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless stand before the throne. Now just imagine you standing before the throne and sing these words to your Savior. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, you are Lord, Lord Thou, oh, are a shield for me. You're my glory and the lifter of my head. Oh, Thou, oh, are a shield for me. You're my glory. You're my glory. For thou, Lord, are a shield for me. You're my glory and the lifter of my head. So through the storm, you are Lord. You're Lord of all. Hallelujah. You're my all and all. 